This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday, 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. One of the big subjects, though, I deal with it regularly, but it impacts each one of us in our personal lives is, you know, this on again, off again, interest rate decline, interest rate rising, that kind of stuff. We're getting so many mixed messages out there, as we are about the economy in general, especially the global economy, which has a big impact on us. The Bank of Canada tells us yesterday, they're kind of holding off at this point because they're still worried about trade problems. I'm sure they're worried about uh, banking problems in Europe like Deutsche Bank. A lot of times people say, yeah, fine, but what's it got to do with me? Well, it's going to control your mortgage rates. It's going to control if you're borrowing other, like a car loan. It's going to control what you're getting in your savings account. going to control, uh, you know, you want to go cross-border, uh, you know, maybe for the weekend or something. Well, it's going to uh, control the exchange rate. So I thought, let's spend a little time with this with John Johnson, one of my favorites, executive BF. Uh, VP, Chief Strategist for Davis Ray. First of all, John, thanks for taking the time with us. My pleasure, Michael. Uh, Let's start with this. I mean, we'll go back to the interest rates uh, to start with here, because my goodness, I can't remember a time where if we flash back back about eight, nine months, you had both the Bank of Canada, both the Federal Reserve saying, hey, interest rates are going higher, maybe three or four rate increases. My goodness, within three months, they had changed that tune. And now we're in this big debate whether we're going to lower interest rates in Canada. And it seems like the Federal Reserve in the States says, yes, we are. How did we get here? What the heck's going on? Well, when central banks, you know, start raising rates, it's a process. They tend to to move until something convinces them to stop. Uh, And, you know, we've gotten accustomed to the, you know, the Fed and the Bank of Canada stopping, you know, a little short of when they have to actually cut rates. Usually there's a a bigger gap uh, than a few months between the last rate hike and the first rate cut. But things are happening, you know, fairly quickly. One of the things you and I have talked about endlessly over the years has been uh, all the private sector debt sloshing around in the global economy and in the in the Canadian and U.S. economies, which makes them more sensitive to interest rates. And you know, both the Bank of Canada and the Federal Reserve increased their key policy rates up to a level that was, you know, just at the low end or just below what they thought was a neutral range for rates. Uh, and I think they felt that, you know, that would be okay. But it turns out that, you know, it, you, know you went from such a low level, uh, you know, in the States, you went from just above zero to above 2%. That's a big, you know, increase. In, uh, uh, and, and in Canada, you went up, you know, 100 basis points over a period of time in a very heavily indebted economy. So I think that they under, they, you know, they overestimated it, uh, you know, how much cushion they had. And now, you know, they maybe have to take out some insurance. But uh, I certainly see there's reason. Like, I'm in the camp that we've been in this slowdown for a year. It's been, you know, a global slowdown, uh, you know, through the manufacturing sector. It's been spilling into Canada, and now it's starting to spill over into the U.S. The Americans got spared a little because the last effects of the tax cuts and the spending changes that they made in 2017 were feeding through. But now you're getting this, uh, you know, slowdown, and you're also getting all these trade risks, which, you know, as, as you know, Stephen Polis has highlighted over and over again, and they actually tried to kind of rectify 
quite a bit in the report that came out on Wednesday, uh, was how do you gauge, you know, how do you estimate the sizes of this stuff? We're not used to seeing, you know, trade wars. Uh, we haven't really had a major global trade war in 70 years, and we don't have a huge amount of data to properly analyze what happened back in the day. But uh, uh, it's certainly there's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, they're flying in the dark. But, to, uh, you know, to, I'll give them some credit in that they both stopped when, you know, the situation changed. And I think they were a little hesitant to stop because they felt that, you know, employment rate's low, that there were some inflation risks. And it certainly suggests that uh, uh, unless they see some real deterioration, they're going to give us those rate cuts very grinchingly, more so in Canada than the U.S. But I think that there's a couple rate cuts coming in both countries, uh, kind of like we saw in 95 when rates went up and then they came down a little bit. uh, And then they stayed at a higher level going forward. But um, certainly rates are coming down, maybe not as much as the market thinks. Take out a bit of insurance and see what happens. Well, a couple of things come up for me there. One is, to be honest, I, I, I agree with you. I respect that the Bank of Canada and the Federal Reserve are looking at the numbers and they change course. You know, I'm, I'm happy they did. But I am surprised they underestimated the impact. When we had an economy that was so debt-oriented, we had so many stories, a zillion stories on, we're in record amounts of debt here, personal disposable income. You know, that's a news story. It seemed like on a monthly basis for about four years. Uh, we know that it had juiced the lower end of the real estate market. I just was surprised that they sort of went back after five quarter point increase and said, gee, look how much that's impacted things. Uh, that, that was yeah. my criticism of them, because I was saying that after the first one. I said, you better be careful what you wish for here. Well, you know, I, I, yeah, that's, that's an accurate point. One of the things that is the case, you know, back in 1929 when the world fell apart, it, it told economists at the time that their models weren't working properly, they weren't specified properly, and they had to fix that. And, the, you know, the meltdown in 2008, which was a debt-related meltdown that unwound, told economists that balance sheet issues and insolvency issues were a lot more important uh, as a part, as an integrated part of economic forecast, than anybody, uh, you know, was willing to admit to. Now everybody says, "Oh, yeah, now we have all that stuff in our models," but very clearly they don't. Uh, and I think they underestimated the impact. And you know, it's one of those things that even with a, a properly specified model, you have to be careful, and you're you're kind of leaning around in the dark. In Canada's case, we only got the overnight rate to one and three quarters, but that did come in tandem with a lot of, uh, you know, macroprudential regulation. And, you know, they tried to move fairly carefully, um, but it does look like, you know, they did go a little bit too far given the situation. And the, and the Americans went a little too far as well. So, um, you know, they need to kind of go back and make sure their models are correct uh, in terms of getting some of those debt issues in, because I think economists as a group have failed to do that. And I think that's a real blind spot. And don't worry, if you're on the, I'm the investor side, people are saying, man, I'm not getting anything from my money when I stick it in the bank. I'll get to you in a second. I'm still on the borrowing side right now. But yeah. uh, so if we are going to close our eyes, and, I, and this is a kind of a forecast, I know it's difficult, and that's what we're explaining here. There's so many variables that impact uh, you know, for example, we had Deutsche Bank, you know, sort of having a semi-Lehman moment, Lehman Brothers moment, when they lay off 18,000 and sort of start really publicly admitting they've got a financial problem. You know, that's, uh, you know, one of the biggest banks in Europe, most influential in Europe, arguably. Uh, you know, so that would be something else that's outside of our borders that is pretty tough to be predicting the impact of that. But at the same time, uh, you know, if we close our eyes now, uh, so... Do you feel that the next move, I'm talking for borrowers, is down? 
yes. Um, I'm not in the recession camp, but certainly the economy the economy is evolving in a more negative fashion globally uh, than I expected when I was out in uh, at the, the last conference in uh, early February. I thought we'd see a bottom in manufacturing, and I was quite a bit more pessimistic than the consensus at the time, who was saying it was imminent. Um, but I'm finding that the trade side continually turns out worse than expected. Uh, it's creating longer-term uncertainty amongst a whole host of global businesses, and I think that we have to push out the, the trough in manufacturing into the fall. So that suggests the risks are there. And, you know, as the global economy weakens, uh, it becomes increasingly vulnerable to shock. So, you know, a year ago when the economy was on a stronger footing, what was going on with the European banks was less of an issue. It's more of an issue now since the economy is more. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You know, it's more vulnerable to that, and those banks are in worse shape. There's, a, you know, there's been a huge breakdown in equity prices on a whole range of European banks, and it looks like some of them uh, you know, are poised to go towards zero. John Johnson, of course, is Executive VP Chief Strategist for Davis Ray. So let me just tell you where we're at here. I get asked a lot about people, should I keep on my variable rate mortgage? So, so far, our answer is yes on that, on the shorter term here. Stay on your variable rate. But there's also something happening here that's so different for most people, and that is, hey, if you want to go out and borrow for, say, 10 years, it's actually less expensive than the short term. That's what's called an inverted yield curve. Well, John Johnson, as I say, that one's a tough one for people to wrap their head around. <laughs> Maybe this is a great opportunity. I mean, the bond market has already reacted. I was looking just uh, yesterday, 10-year bond rate in Canada is about 1.5, 1.6%. Uh, you know, so yeah, it's an interesting situation where those long rates have also come down dramatically. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, one of the lessons we've learned is that when the long-term yield of anything falls below the short-term yield and a, and a yield curve inverts. It's always a warning sign uh, about economic prospects, and it's something we need to keep in mind because, you know, I look at what the bond market is saying, and I look at the evolution of the global manufacturing sector, which tends to move in is a leading indicator, just like equities and bonds are. You know, they're telling me things are pessimistic. I look at corporate bonds and equities, and everything's just wonderful. So there's a divergence there that I think we need to pay attention to, but Certainly, um, you know, depending on individual circumstances, there is a case, you know, for a first-time home buyer. My, I'm going through this with my youngest son right now. That uh, you know, maybe locking something in for a number of years uh, is a good thing because some of those rates are incredibly attractive. Yeah. One of the things, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'll just tell you one of the things that concerns me is an economic shock, a financial shock. I think there's a huge banking problem in Europe right now. I think there's a sovereign debt crisis uh, happening. It's just a time bomb for me. So at some point, it won't be sort of the normal factors that push longer term interest rates back up. It might be a bit of a shock. So I think at least if you're out there and you are a first time buyer, I'd tell your son the same thing. I'd tell you better have a long look at uh, the kind of attractive rates. I've 
just done this coincidentally with my daughter and said, the reason is you're buying a house. You're not speculating on interest rates. If you want to do that, I'll tell you how to do that in the futures market. But this is your home and this is a very, you know, so man, they're making it pretty tough not to take out those longer term mortgages. But I also think you're fine on the short term right now. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, You know, we're in an environment, given that the global economy started to teeter with, uh, you know, the, the short-term rates in the U.S. at two per, just over 2% and a 10-year uh, U.S. Treasury yield at 3% tells us that that's probably the high end for, you know, the interest rate structure globally for the, for the next several years. There's too much debt. Rates aren't going to go up that much. And uh, as long as you can afford it. One of the interesting things, um, everybody says, oh, how can I earn more money? How can I earn more money? One of the things which I think is a symptom of where we are today is that nobody says, well, maybe I should cut my spending a little. <laughs> what a great point that is. Absolutely. I mean, and of course, if you're doing any serious sort of financial planning, you should be reviewing, are you getting the bang for the buck? I'm not one who says don't spend. I am one who says make sure you're getting something for it. I think way yeah. too many of us, and I could look in the mirror too, by the way, John, but I can, you know, it's, it's not as important for me at my stage in life as it is for someone who's trying to save for a house, save for a car, save for a vacation, whatever it is. Make sure you're getting the bang for the buck on the way, the stuff you just are sort of fl- flittering away money on oh absolutely uh you know on a tax you know after adjustment for taxes the best return on your money is getting something on that's on sale let me just get something for 50 percent off that's absolutely let me just uh, because we've i just recognized we only got a couple minutes left here and i've got to get to the guy who wants you know who's going to buy a savings or you know sorry invest in a savings account doesn't like his rate of return now the bond market are there safe alternatives to that because one of the concerns we had in the last several years is people got higher rates of return but they were not safe alternatives they may got lucky and avoided some problems but there's too much risk so sorry to do this to you but in kind of a two-minute answer can you give me what's out there that uh, gives you some comfort that can get you that higher rate than that one and a half, one point six percent ten-year bond. Well, I certainly, uh, in terms of interest return, I think there's some good opportunities in um, high-quality corporate bonds, maybe out to two years in length. Uh, you know, they're still, you know, they're going to you get a yield pickup over what you would get on a two-year Canada. Uh, certainly, if you go into the U.S. market, where you know the short-term rates are still above two. You know, there's some opportunities there. And when you buy bonds, you're also looking for ballast in case things go wrong and having some U.S. dollars in that environment. Because uh, if, if economic trouble comes, the Canadian dollar tends to go down and your Canadian dollar returns would be higher. So, uh, you know, I, I agonize about the question you're asking constantly. Uh, one of the best areas for me is, you know, high quality, A-rated and better paper in the U.S. out to out to two years in length is, uh, is one area to look at. And also areas of the stock market uh, where you've got good quality companies and who are growing their dividend. You need dividend growth over time. And not, just high, not just high yielders yeah. uh, with high payout ratios that are going to get smacked if 10-year yields go up 50 or 60 basis points. No, it's a great point. Uh, let me just throw one more very quick one at you. Canadian dollar, you've had an excellent track record on it. Uh, I'm looking, and uh, this is just me, I'm a big fan of the U.S. dollar still, so every rally in the Canadian dollar to me is an excuse to get more exposure to the U.S. at this stage. I, will, I bet I'll change my mind in the next 18 months to two years at m- max, but still, uh, right now, uh, your Canadian dollar forecast in, in just give, sorry, 45 seconds, slap me around next time you see me for saying that. Yeah. 
Well, I think, as I said, there's a divergence between what's happening to the global manufacturing sector, which is a good indicator of commodity prices and the Canadian dollar. It's going down. Commodity prices, uh, the Canadian dollar has been going up. Uh, I think the Canadian dollar is going to come down again over the course of the summer, uh, you know, maybe back towards 73 cents. And then once global manufacturing bottoms, the Canadian dollar usually goes up. And uh, that would take us maybe to a, you know, back up towards 75 cents towards the end of the year. It's not very exciting, but I certainly think on a three-month view, the bias is towards weakness in the Canadian dollar, and I'd be using the strength in Canada right now to buy some U.S. dollars. Well, we'll get a chance to visit again before all of that takes place. John, thanks so much for finding time. I appreciate it. Nice to talk with you. My pleasure. Thank you, Michael. John Johnson, Executive VP, Chief Strategist for Davis Ray.